grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was in uh, northwest Kansas, our circuit pastors would go every year and we'd take a hike. Sometimes we'd hike the peaks that were the highest and the hardest. Um, Pikes Peak was one of the ones that we would we'd hike. We'd start at 6 in the morning and we'd be, be done about uh, 9 o'clock, uh, 10 o'clock at night. So it was a all-day-long uh, hike. But again, uh, a high mountain peak, uh, you get above the tree line up there, it's really hard to breathe. Uh, we also climbed Long's Peak, uh, saw a mountain lion uh, way above uh, the tree line, and that mountain lion was about a mile, half a mile away, and, and he followed us for a long time, but he never came over and bothered us. Uh, so you've got wildlife up there, I've seen bears, I've seen uh, you know, mountain goats and, and rams, and, uh, but things happen up on the mountain, and we don't spend much time on the mountain. Uh, but there, the Bible today talks about, well, two mountains. We have the Old Testament lesson and the New Testament lesson. In Luke, eight days after saying these things, he took Peter and James and John and went up in the mountain to pray. While he was praying, the appearance of his face became different, and his clothing became white and gleaming. And behold, two men were talking with him, and they were Moses and Elijah, who, appearing in glory, which means they had died, right? These were dead men, and were now appearing in their glory because they had glorified bodies. They didn't, they, and, and so they're appearing in glory and were speaking of his departure, uh, Jesus' departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So here we have the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, the Mount of Transfiguration, if you go over to Israel, is really called Mount Tabor. And this is what it looks like. It's kind of an interesting. And a lot of the mountains over in Israel look like this. They're old mountains, not like the Rockies that are sharp and jagged. Uh, they're all kind of round at the top. As a matter of fact, if you look at Mount Tabor, you'll see there at the very tip um, the Church of Transfiguration, which labels this place as the, uh, the place where this event took place, where Jesus took uh, Peter, James, and John, and they climbed up to the, up the mountain. When they got to the mountain, there Jesus, in his appearance, changed. And he revealed that he's not just man. Um, of course, there are other mountains. You have Mount Calvary, um, and uh, Mount. It's also the Temple Mount. Here you see the temple right there. Um, of course, that's where uh, they sacrificed all of the animals um, in the in the temple. And this was also the place where, uh, called Mount Moriah. And, and how many of you remember that mountain? Uh, it's, it's, it's Mount Calvary, Mount Moriah, um, but it's the place where Abraham uh, took his son Isaac and offered his son. And of course, uh, then, uh, you know, as Abraham was getting ready to take the knife in, in, into his son's chest and, and sacrifice his son on the altar at Mount Moriah, where all the other sacrifices would take place, and ultimately Christ sacrifice would take place, God says, no, no, I'm going to provide another lamb. There will be a lamb of God. It will be my son who will be coming. So on this mountain, you have this foreshadowing, this foreshadowing of what's going to happen on Mount Calvary and uh, on the Temple Mount. Now, Moses, here you got uh, in, in our Old Testament lesson, you've got Mount Nebo, and uh, that was a mountain on which Moses died. And we don't know where he's buried, but uh, he climbed up there and never came back down again, and, and, uh, and then the people grieved, right? Um, we also have Mount Carmel. If you remember in Mount uh, in, in Elijah, he goes up there, and you can kind of see it, that flat area right up here. 
Uh, there's, there's still an altar there. There used to be two altars, and these altars are huge. You know, they're, they're gigantic, round altars. And uh, the one altar that Elijah placed his sacrifices on, and he talked to the priests of Baal and said, let's find out whose God is real. You pray to your God, I'll pray to my God, and we'll see which one consumes the sacrifice. And they prayed to their God day and night, and nothing happened. And then Moses, he started to pray to God, he drenched his his uh, altar with, with water, and he starts to pray to God on this mountain height, and immediately flame, fire, brimstone from heaven boom, consumes the altar, and that, that black hole is still there today. Go over there in Israel, look at the two altars, one of them's gone, and uh, it's still, they're still up there. Of course, and, and of course, Elijah then proved that Jesus is God. On top of Mount Carmel, you remember Mount Sinai, uh, on top of Mount Sinai, that's where Moses climbed uh, and went up there for 40 days. We're going to have a lot of 40 days, 40 night themes in the Bible, right? And, and Moses was up there for 40 days, and he comes down with the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, this was a, a powerful mountain. Um, Mount Sinai, the Mount of Transfiguration, and Mount Calvary, Okay. Those are the three mountains I want to focus on today as we talk about a tale of three mountains. Now, the first mountain we want to look at is Mount Sinai. You can't see it very well. It looks like a volcano. Um, and if you remember Mount Sinai, it did not look like a volcano. But the reason why it looked like a volcano is God was going to be giving Moses the Ten Commandments. This is a terrifying thing. God was giving his people the law. And God was saying, if you obey these rules, you'll be my people, I'll be your God. But here's the thing. If you touch the mountain, you die. And if you break my rules, you die. So I'm giving you an opportunity today to live. I'm giving you a choice. You can serve me and call me number one in your life and honor me and obey me, or you can choose to serve yourself and to serve the gods around you and then face my judgment. And of course, you remember the whole scene there. Uh, there was a trumpet that eerie trumpet that was sounding, and, and the, the volcano was shaking, or the, the mountain was shaking, and there was a cloud, uh, and, and uh, uh, very, very scary. And you can't really see, uh, but you, if you look down below, you can see all the camp of Israel uh, in camp below. You know, and uh, 2 million people to 20 million people, it was a, a huge amount of people. Hebrews 21, or 12, 21 says, Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble in fear. So you have here a mountain of trembling, a mountain of the law. Exodus 19 talks about it. You shall set the limits for the people around Mount Sinai, saying, Take care not to go up into the mountain or even touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up the mountain. And of course, when Moses went up the mountain, he was the only one that could touch it, and he was the only one who got to see the Lord face to face, as much as we can see God face to face. And of course, these Ten Commandments are still our rule for obedience today. Uh, God hasn't changed His truth. He hasn't changed His rules. He hasn't changed His laws. We are still a covenant people. And He says, as, as my covenant people, I still expect you to obey. I am the God. There is no other. Worship me and me alone. And so we have the Ten Commandments that tell us 
that we're supposed to be pure. Here's a little weasel-like animal, uh, kind of like a mink, and they take its fur and they make coats out of it. In the winter, the fur turns white, and in the summer, it's brown, uh, called the ermine. The ermine is a little rodent that hunters kill, and it's easy to kill them because you just have to find out where they live. And this little ermine is so concerned about purity that the hunters will go and, and put you know, tar around the opening of their, of their burrow. And then they'll hunt with dogs, and they find the ermine, and of course, uh, the ermine runs immediately to its hole. And when it gets to the hole, it sees the tar and goes, I can't be impure. I can't go in there. So he turns around, and he faces the dogs, and he faces the hunter, and he dies to keep himself pure. Who does that sound like? Jesus, right? He dies in purity. Well, that's not us. The Bible says, I go backwards. The Bible says that the human heart is darkened, black with sin, and black as tar. We haven't kept the Ten Commandments. We don't keep these rules from Mount Sinai. Does Mount Sinai offer us salvation? Is there hope on Mount Sinai? Can we look at Mount Sinai and say, good, there's a good news, there's a good message here. And we find out from, from this mountain that we're sinful, that we're broken, and this is what our hearts look like, and this is what this mountain reveals. That we are a people, not that we'll be able to save ourselves, but we're a people that need a different covenant. We need a new covenant, a better covenant than the old one of the Ten Commandments. We need a promise of a Savior, somebody who will deliver us. We need a deliverer. Maybe a deliverer will come on another mountain. And so here, the Mount of Mount Sinai points us to the commandments and reminds us again of the people we are. Have no other gods. Don't use God's name in vain. Worship the Lord your God. And, and, and honor God, honor your parents, honor all of God's authorities. Don't hurt people with your, with your lips, with your mouth. Don't, anytime you hurt anybody in any way, that's sinful. Uh, again, no sexual sins, anything outside of marriage. Even some behaviors inside of marriage are, are evil and an abomination unto the Lord. Uh, don't covet. Don't want things that don't belong to you. And of course, then we hear these rules and we hear we're taken back to that height on Mount Sinai where God gave this covenant, this promise, this contract of God to Moses and ultimately to us, a fiery judgment. So here on, on, on Mount, this mountain, it's a little terrifying. Isaiah talks about it as he sees his own sin. And this was, remember this text from about three weeks ago? Uh, you, had, um, you had Isaiah saying, Woe is me, I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people also who have unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, because he had a vision of heaven. And he saw the Lord sitting on the throne and all the angels and, and the seraphim, the fiery angels, and he said, I'm undone, I'm evil, I'm wicked, my heart's not good. Where did he get that knowledge from? He got the knowledge from Mount Sinai. No compassion here. There's no forgiveness here, no grace, no mercy. Right? 
only the law. So maybe on Mount Transfiguration, we as God's people will have a little hope. And so we go to Mount Transfiguration, and here you've got Peter, James, and John, the inner core, Jesus' best friends, and he travels up this mountain. He says, hey guys, we're going for a hike, and here they, they go, and, and up the mountain they go, and all of a sudden, as they're sleeping, they wake up to a strange sight because Jesus is glowing, and he's talking to two dead guys, and, and in Christ, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily, it says in Colossians chapter 2, and you have been filled in him who is the head and rule, uh, the, head of, the head of all rule and authority. So here you have Jesus, and he, he's, he's born in, at Christmas, and he looks like just a little baby, and then you have Epiphany, and he does all these miracles, and then he climbs up the Mount of Transfiguration, and now all of a sudden he says, I'm not just man. Well, who are you? Right? But not Superman. God. And his face shines and his, and his glory shines and, and he, can't, he can't withhold it. And so what they find out on this mountain isn't judgment on this mountain. Jesus reveals himself that he is true God and he's true man. He is someone who's different. He is someone now who maybe will be the deliverer. Maybe he's the one who can save man, but will he do it on a mountain? Is forgiveness, is life and salvation offered on this mountain? No, forgiveness, life, and salvation, the one who will do it is revealed on this mountain. But forgiveness, life, and salvation isn't found on this mountain either. And so we go from Lent, and then we follow this Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus comes down the mountain, and he heads to the journey. He's going to another mountain. And of course, you know the name of that mountain. That's Mount Calvary or Mount Moriah, where Abraham sacrificed his son, or tried to sacrifice his son. And we make that journey with Jesus. Because the Bible says when he came down the mountain of Mount Transfiguration, he set his face like flint to the cross. Set his face like flint to Jerusalem. He had a job to do. It was time to die. And so during the season of Lent, we remember who we are. And we go on a 40-day journey with him, don't we? A 40-day journey to Mount Calvary. Maybe on Mount Calvary, we'll find good news. Two men were talking with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure. You say, departure, that, that means he's going to die. But it's interesting. The word departure in Greek is exodus. Exodus. Now, Luke intentionally used the word exodus. Why did he say Jesus was going to his exodus? What's, going, what's taking place on top of this mountain? You remember the exodus, the 40 years wandering where the children of Israel were released. Moses did all of the, the plagues and, and Pharaoh said, get them out of my land. And they, go, they take them into the wilderness, and they're now into the wilderness for 40. The water opens up, and they walk through the water. Everybody's safe, and there's 40 years in the wilderness. Because God's going to lead them to the promised land. Because these are his people. And they're in this wilderness for 40, 40 years. Jesus, Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and, and he's in the wilderness, but he's being tempted by Satan in the same wilderness. 
And Satan is trying to uh, cause Jesus to, to turn away from God so he wouldn't be our Savior. And so he proves himself faithful. He proves himself trustworthy. He proves that he is a son of God. While the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness and they went after all kinds of false gods. Remember all God's judgment? He sent the fiery snakes. He sent the serpents. The, the, the ground opened up with the sons of Korah and, and the earthquake came and they all fell in and the earth closed because these people were disobedient. Not Jesus. He was obedient to the Lord. Jesus' exodus to the cross would be a journey of a faithful man, not the unfaithful people of God. But it would be an exodus. Just as the children of Israel had an exodus from Egypt and they needed to be delivered from this evil dictator. They needed to be delivered from the bondage of slavery. And, and so they send Moses to deliverer. Well, we have a bondage to sin. We need a deliverer. Will there be a deliverer on this mountain? Moses and Elijah were talking to Jesus about his departure, about his exodus, about another mountain. Maybe here on Mount Calvary, maybe this will be the place. They were talking about the mercy and the grace and forgiveness that Jesus would accomplish as he makes his 40-day journey as he begins to make this day, this journey to, to the cross, to die for the people, to set a covenant. I'll be your God and you'll be my people. I'll forgive your sins. I'll remember them no more. This will be the new covenant. This will be the new testament. This will be the new contract. You don't have to do anything. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. On Mount Sinai, God showed His law, God showed His wrath, God showed His judgment, His law. Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus says, I am the true God, I am the true man. I'm the one who came, I can accomplish this task. I can be the deliverer. I will lead you on an exodus to the promised land. But the promised land is not in the wilderness. The promised land Jesus is talking about for us is the promised land of eternal life, the new kingdom to come where God will make a new earth and a new heaven and Christ will be king of that place and we will live in that paradise and that new earth without sin, without pain, without suffering, without tears, without sickness, without death. For all the old things will have passed away. God says, behold, I make everything brand new. So Christ is the only one who takes us from the Mount of Transfiguration to another mountain as we make that Lenten journey. We make that Lenten journey with Jesus and we prepare our hearts to make this journey with Him, to worship Him because Jesus is our mighty Deliverer and our mighty Savior. And so Lent, it's a time for us to trust in Jesus. Only He can give us the crown of life. It's a time for us to go to the One who forgives us and, and to receive His body and blood and to come worship Him and, and receive the gifts that He has and say, thank you, Lord, for loving me, for, for dying for me, for forgiving me, for making me your child. Teach me how to live, Lord. Teach me how to live as one of your children. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.